Hello everyone and welcome to Us with Dr. Christelle Crane. Today we have a very special guest, a fellow Flint native, Leon Benson, who has been recently exonerated for a crime he didn't commit. Benson was convicted of the murder of Casey Schuen, who was shot five times while sitting in his truck near downtown Indianapolis on August 8, 1998. He was tried twice. The first trial ended in a mistrial after six of the 12 jurors voted not guilty. Benson was then convicted after he was retried in July 1999 and was unjustly sentenced to 61 years in prison. Now, after 25 years of his life has been taken, Leon is out as a free man, putting the pieces of his life and leadership together. Cornel West writes that empathy is not simply a matter of trying to imagine what others are going through, but having the will to muster enough courage to do something about it. In a way, empathy is predicated upon hope. I encourage our listeners to consider this idea, not just for the story you will hear from Leon Benson, but for yourself and others you encounter in your life. Meet Leon Benson in his own words. My mic dream shattered, like the flesh of a suicide bomber. The blood stains of my potentials and I dried on a cell wall next to someone else's who must have been split open decades before I arrived. My punishment wasn't only an unlawful 60 year sentence, but it was witnessing my talents waste while patronized by my rap peers, flying high when I'm an eagle, blowing up hot on fire when I'm a phoenix. You motherfucking thieves stole my microphone, unplugged my cord to the world, paused my voice in the ripple it made in the ocean of my spit. Priceless bars that was written on a page have been replaced by the bars of a cage that entrapped my street poetry. Better yet, my new African spirituals into the void of obscure absurdity, outcasting me to mute. Now when I scream my lyric, it's never heard in the cipher of society. My exile turned into years within the concrete cocoon. But despite my many years of struggles and afflictions, I came into a revelation that no matter what my haters, crooked cops, corrupt judges threw my way, I never broke and I never will. And I never stopped loving hip hop. You see, my tears of affection for the music and the culture was enough to allow me to tread the waters long enough to realize that even though my mic's gone, my pen bleed. The breath of a real MC, master of ceremonies, beyond 16 line compositions, beyond being just a rapper, beyond being just a poet, but realizing that I'm a historian, a philosopher, a sociologist, a psychologist, a teacher. I am a preacher, a prophet, a trickster, a scientist, an existentialist, rhyme reason, a politician, a revolutionary, a radical, a nightmare to those who doubt me, a miracle against an insane asylum, an innovator, the seed and the fruit of martyrs, the roar of a thousand lions triumph, the whisper of the strongest wind, a god amongst men, a child amongst dragons, I'm resistant to whatever stagnant. I am a Hebrew Israelite, the demonstrator of law, of the true chosen people of Yah. I am a pipe piper, a 2520 degree cipher, rotating in a spiral, manifesting the consciousness on planes higher. I am now a steel microphone made from the fire. Welcome to my cipher. Welcome, Leon. Hey, thank you for allowing me to be here. Dr. Crystal Lee Crane, thank you. Thank you so much. 
I I'm I feel lucky that we met, but I don't know if luck is the right word. It's just an alignment. And and so uh, for folks who are just listening and, you know, be like, OK, well, who is Leon Benson? Well, you know, my name is Leon Benson and I'm a native of, of Flint, Michigan. You know, I grew up and I was bred in Flint, Michigan. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a complete man at this point at 47 years old. Uh, you know, I'm very mature. And, you know, much like the great Dr. Cornell West was saying, you know, I'm a person, I'm big on empathy, emotional intelligence. And the reason why is while I was fighting for my freedom and justice for the past 25 years in the Indiana correctional uh, capacity or whatnot, I had to realize that it's bigger than me. And it, it was about the other people. So that's been my spiritual walk and practice for so long. So when you see me, you will see a person that's that's genuinely giving you who they are. Uh, I'm living, I love to say I'm living like I died before because we all make mistakes. And what if you had a second chance? to come back and just redeem, you know, anything you did by the people that you interact with, uh, bringing love and joy instead of destruction and chaos. And that's why I'm at, you know, as an individual. Uh, the rest, nah, it's up to you. It's kind of hard for me to tell you about it. I'd rather for you to experience it with me when I encounter you. Uh, when you see my work or when you hear my words, I do know this. The soul of a man never dies. It's only be discovered on the hearts and minds of those that he encountered or she encountered. And that's the impact that I want to leave the world on the smallest level as well on the biggest collective level. You were exonerated after serving 25 years for a crime you didn't commit. Can you tell our listeners what that feels like today? This is my 24th day on land. Well, the first thing that come to my mind, Yahuru Sasa. That's Swahili. Yahuru means freedom. Sasa means now. So it's Sasa Yahuru. Now freedom. It, it's very exhilarating. It's, it's overwhelming. However, it was prepared for for a long time. Much like in biblical terms, when we think about Noah, he knew the flood was coming. So he built an ark. My ark wasn't a boat, of course, but it was just me preparing myself to, to, to confront this flood of freedom, you know, and... I, I didn't want to devalue it or ever deal with freedom wrong again. Freedom is like my lover, and she was gone for a while. But I mistreated her before. So when it finally came back, it was like the reuniting of a of a of a relationship, you know, make up to break up. And I'm so sorry, baby. I am here. And I shouldn't have ever treated you wrong. 
So that's how I felt like it was a kiss from the most beautiful entity that I can imagine at this point, you know? And it's just, even like right now, my chest so warm right now, like I'm probably burning a hole in my shirt. Ways that I can explain how I felt when I actually experienced my freedom walking out that prison door and not looking back, right? Just walking forward into the arms of the the most caring and considerate people who were on my side. So it was a beautiful moment. And I, I definitely saw the pictures in, in real time and, and, and after. And I was so glad to meet your sister. You know, she's wonderful. You know, like what what were some of the motivating forces that that kept you going through that time? And I'm sure, I mean, 25 years is a long time. Well, it's it's a it's a motley crew of things. You know, a lot of things was working confluently, you know, in, in tandem. But the biggest thing was the fact that I was actually innocent. So so going through this, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. So after a while, I, I'm like, OK. I'm innocent. And I start to realize that I wasn't an innocent person. So I'm getting confronted with these hard questions. And a pit stop for me was in solitary confinement for a decade. So I'm screaming, man, you know, I'm innocent, man. I shouldn't be here. You know, I shouldn't be here. So I start to ask myself the hard questions to hold myself accountable. And and one of the things is is the level of spirituality and the level of uh you know philosophical realism. And, and they come together while I'm in this womb gestating, so to speak. And they come together, these ambionic fluids of practical, realistic philosophy and spirituality. They're 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 having this conflict to figure it out and I, this is something that's going on in my mind and and it happens you know so the existential aspect of it came out that hey everything in the world can be absurd but it's only us that give it meaning and the authentic life is the life that knows that he or she has unlimited freedom of choice and as I sat there and I embarked on this particular journey within and without, I started to see that I didn't really embrace the choices I had in society to do the right thing, partly because of my ignorance. But still, my ignorance, I can make a choice not to be ignorant. So I didn't make the right choices to understand the law. I didn't make the right choices not to be selling drugs, right? I didn't make the choice to be a better father. So much of that, you know, much of that, I, I say like this in this maturation process, every real player, they've been played. And every real boss took a loss. So it was time for me to look at, you know, why some of the things that happened to me happened from my personal accountability. And that's where that, that came together. And, and, and another thing, you know, you have, you know, a, a higher power, 
you know, mine became the tradition of the ancient Hebrew Israelites. You know, I realized they was a people of color. But as I look towards the Bible, it was another existentialist trip for me. We go to Deuteronomy 30, 19, and I'm just paraphrasing. It says you have a choice today for life or death. It said don't wait on somebody to ascend from heaven. Don't wait for somebody to come across the sea to tell you. What I got for you this day is already on your lips and it's in your heart. You make the choice. I'm like, wow, this is liberation theology at its best. So for me as the individual on the inside, I'm liberating myself through looking at these ancient stories of peoples that's going through a struggle. And I realized that it was bigger than me. My struggle of being innocent wasn't like necessarily the struggle of the Israelites or maybe more recent ancestors, my, my, my African slaves that was sent here that I'm a product of. So I started to look at these things different and I leaned on that higher power and this philosophy to guide me through to help me keep doing the work that I needed to do, you know, to get to where I'm going. Most definitely. And I think, I mean, in my work, which is broad, but very specific on trying to help people understand where the suffering comes from. Suffering is a part of human experience, but what you're talking about is like, you figured out the why. The why. Your why, right? And, and that is, you know, it is, hard for people sometimes to understand that the why is actually based on other human decisions. Like the, we were gifted with a society at birth does not mean it was an actual real gift. The society that we were birthed with was created by decisions of other people that did not take our well-being into account. Well, well, the reason I say that because, you know, in dealing with my situation, it was a lot of, a lot of pain, you know, a lot of people who counted me out, a lot of people who didn't take a chance on me, looked me over. I was a throwaway. I'm like, man. So while you in these positions, you know, of your particular trauma, of course, I'm in a vertex of trauma just by being in prison, within a prison. And on top of that, I'm wrongfully incarcerated, too. So I'm in a vortex, a vortex of trauma. And one of the things I realized is, you know, and, and what I explained earlier, and these confluent, these these these, these intersecting uh, 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 mental thoughts of uh, higher power and a practical uh, a philosophy of of living it and, and actualizing it is, you know, I got to make the choice of suffering. Once I accept and know that suffering, like change, is inevitable, right? But how I suffer is a choice, right? And that growth is a choice. Change and growth ain't the same thing. Growth is a choice. So while I was sitting here in the deepest depths of my hurt and I was lashing out, I didn't want to forgive. I wanted to hold on to bitterness and things like that. Part of the reason why people do that, because they didn't make the choice to find some more options to try to solve the problem. They got pit stop on the pain and they focus. So I'm in it, you know, as a soldier on the field, I had to be therapeutic to myself. 
And that was the that was the therapy I was giving myself. So I started to break away again from all the bitterness of not only myself, because it's for me, my level of, of understanding the world, it comes from out of me and then it goes to the world. I don't go to ancient times and come back to me. I come out of me and go to ancient times to make it make sense. So when I seen that this society, I seen for first and foremost me, I was I was I was let down by society. I see the uh contradictions of this society when I when I had when I look at TV, police brutality, other men and women are sent to prison, you know, racism, you know, all type of isms that you can even imagine, you know. And we go all the way to ancient times, what happened to our people, you know, that was, you know, brutalized, you know, our people in the Holocaust. And, you know, and I say that all encompassing because I'm a human being. And once I was able to see what everybody been through and I knew that it was some bits and pieces that wasn't as hard on me or maybe more than the next person, I realized my best option was to approach this with 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 a healing justice, right? With a healing justice, much like some of the things uh, Sean, you know, uh, uh, Jen Wright would, would write about. I had a chance to to really study what he was talking about, healing justice. So I know I can't get back my years that's gone. I can never get that back. That's facts. I need to accept that. And move on the best I can. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I'm not saying that I actually moved on all the way. You know, every now and then I might just bust out crying to myself like, man, you know, I'm not a young guy no more. I can't dump no more. I can't jump over. I used to do all type of little incredible athletic stuff. But I got to look at the here and now and make the best choice. And I think from an individual level, that helped me not to come out this place bitter. And one thing that make you bitter is, too, what I've seen is if you do nothing about it. So even in society, if people do not do nothing about the things that's bringing them misery and heartache, they will have regret. That regret would turn into reactionary bitterness where it implodes upon themselves. Hence, the black-on-black black violence and brown-on-brown brown violence that you see is imploding on them because they are not making the right choice towards the solution and they're allowing themselves to remain ignorant to some of the real elements that's producing their condition. We can't do this alone. We can't get free alone. There's no such thing as freedom for, for one group of people and not another. Because um, we all aren't just one thing, right? And I think that's the, you know, you said intersecting. And I think that's one of the the gifts of the idea of intersectionality uh, coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. But the idea that your justice came because other people saw justice in, in you and they weren't like you or us, right? And, and, and someone else saw your light and was like, I can't give up on this dude, right? They're like, no, because he's innocent. 
So, so look, hey, to add a little more on that, so so you see what I was what I was trying to explain, and 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 you definitely you helped clean it up for me. But I want to be a little more uh, uh, direct too. So you know when we go through our particular traumas, whether it be you know from from a child abuse, from the system, from spousal abuse, just life. Period. The thing is, what what really stuck with me was what my ancestors was. I can't let them win and beat me psychologically too and spiritually because if I leave out of here bitter and carrying that burden, that means I lost twice. That means I'm giving them free rent in my heart and my mind and I can't do that. So that's the big thing that's practical for anybody to forgive and try to get therapeutic with what you're doing because now I'm taking away that reactionary emotional element and I'm able to better deal with my situation, right? So when I come out, I want to be as healthy as possible. Or when you come up, everybody, look, you either going into a storm, you coming out of a storm, or you standing right in the middle of one. Facts. They different on the intensity levels. But this is the fact of our particular struggles and sufferings in the human condition. So that's how I looked at it. And, and that's why I, I, I grasped the things I felt like I needed to grasp that was that was good for me while I was fighting through there. Everything I got to say might cannot help everybody or they might not understand. But I believe a lot of people can parallel my situation to other situations in life that you can kind of get over so you can be empowered opposed to being defeated and having this social dis-ease of learned helplessness, right? That's a part of learned helplessness. Well, this is a part of what I believe in from my observations that the system does, starting with our children in school, all the way to the from school to pipelines to prisons. It's to learn helplessness. It's to say you can't do nothing about it. Just cry. Just just ah no. It's something that you can do about it. You are powerful. Learn from my situation. I want it to be uh, a symbol for my brothers and sisters. Tupac Shakur, he said in a in a in a in a in a mock interview almost with Kendrick Lamar on Kendrick Lamar, you know, critically acclaimed, successful album, uh, How to Pimp a Butterfly or To Pimp a Butterfly. And it's on Mortal Men. Well, Kendrick, he's talking, man, to the pop, you know, that's gone. And, and Kendrick asked him, he said, he said, brother pop, what happens when I just almost feel like laying it down and giving up? And Tupac said this at 25. He said, Man, usually when a young black male becomes 30 years old, they don't got no fight in them no more. They're beat down, right? Everybody that's somebody, they screaming out, they young, you know, that's when we want to lift weights, you know, and all this. So it is a historical fact that, you know, this American uh, uh, system of, of privilege, right, of people who have more money and resources who happen to be who happen to be 
uh, mostly white in this country, but it's not definitely just something that's specifically white. It's people black do it. It's privilege. And this, and because it is, it's like a system seems like it's repressing me, right? I feel like Tamir Rice, right? So this is a learned helplessness system, man. Don't go out playing nowhere because I shoot you down. Don't uh, uh, try to be better than what you are. Stay relegated to a quiet position. I think I heard uh, some type of uh, reporter tell LeBron James, keep dribbling the ball. Don't talk about these issues, right? So now when we think about these things and, and what I'm saying, I figured in my situation, which was really compounded that I was in prison, right, which has become the right to passage for young black men and women. So I'm in this situation. I'm already here. So, and I heard what Pac said, this situation break people, the people around me are falling apart mentally, emotionally, and I am older than 30. I wasn't going for it. So I made the choice to do the things I need to do. So when I came out, I was a loud mouth 47 year old talking, man, and encouraging the people, right? And, and bringing some light to the dark and bringing some information that can help people. And I'm still willing to do it as long as I got energy in my body, you know, to defeat these mental roadblocks that's being thrown to us by many different messaging and, and coding system and textbooks, advertisement. And these was the things to overcome. So remember, you know, you got the power to come out of it if you make the choice. Um, I, I'd like for you, if you're interested, love to share a little bit about how it's been to reconnect with family and friends. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, when I when I when I first got out, like I said, you know, the main people who were at the gate were the people who was intimately, you know, intimately involved, you know, in my exoneration push. So, you know, I get out there and you guys see it, you know, I'm dressed in all white. You know, I did that on purpose because it's a rebirth, right? It's a rebirth. And I was rebirthed again into that Yahoo Sasa. That freedom now, that Southside Yahuru, that now freedom. And when I was there, you know, like my brother Kwame Shakur, he was there. We was incarcerated together. But to see the work that my brother's doing, and he stayed persistent, you know, with me and 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 and, and trying to get my voice and my case on situations and platforms that can bring me more light and more freedom. My daughter, Kobe, blew it. Man, wonderful daughter. You know, she was able to put together some events and speak to people and she campaigned for me. My baby, you know, and I see my sister, of course. I call my sister Miriam because she's putting it down. She's with me. This is my baby sister, right? My baby sister, you know, she come through and, you know, to see her there. And of course, my lawyers, you know, Laura Bazelon, you know, Charlie, Charlie Kiever. And they from the San Francisco School of Law. And, you know, Bazelon, she directs the Racial Justice Cl Clinic in uh, San Francisco. They was there. And it's a woman. 
my godmother, Shannon Coleman. Shannon Coleman is so instrumental. And, you know, whenever we get into the logistics of how my, 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 my exoneration happened, I want to tell you that story. But this elder woman was there, and, and, and she's from Philadelphia. Hey, appreciate her. I got to hug her. And I seen, man, my main man, Fury Young, who happened to be uh, my producer and label mate, uh, on Die Jim Crow Records, we were able to do a lot of great projects, you know, together while I was uh, uh, incarcerated. Everything the brother, you know, then done with me was was good. He's out of Brooklyn. Hey, I know his mother and everybody. And then I got the plug with my IDOC Watch family, right? IDOC Watch is a watchdog organization that was start, started by grassroots individuals inside the system as well as those in the streets and they was there with me like you know through the years to help me event plan uh if i had things like when i started changing lives through literacy through literature class well he provided me with uh just like like 50 victor franco man search for meaning books you know what i mean and i was able to teach what i learned in solitary you know, and what I was able to impart, you know, on my comrades, I was able to bring that to population. And I got, man, I got to, I got to teach that class. And IDOC Watch was very instrumental in that. So I seen, you know, the uh, uh, my brother, Nick Gavin, he was there, you know, and it was just truly incredible, you know. So, Man, so that was my first connection to my family. You know, my family, I tell y'all, family is, you know, a, a brother ain't guaranteed to be a friend, but all friends guaranteed to be brothers or sisters. That was my first family visit. I got uh, to go to Indianapolis with an initial sit down with my lawyers, and I got to meet, uh, got to see my, uh, uh, my 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 kid's mother, she showed up, you know, blessings to her because, you know, despite, you know, many of the conflicts that we may have had, it was the system that was doing it. And, you know, this sister really endured a whole lot having to raise, you know, my children, you know, alone out there in the world. So she was going through a lot. I definitely believe that she loved me. And just to see her there, it was a it was a coming to home moment. She deserved that moment, you know, for us. And I got to see, you know, some of my grandchildren, you know, that was incredible, you know. And, you know, my daughter, Kobe, Kobe Blewett, she got a, a food from the mother. She's straight vegan. She was able to prepare uh, extraordinary, you know, culinary vegan dish for everybody. And it was incredible. That was my first meal. It was a healthy meal. It was clean, as we said. Right? And, you know, from that point on, you know, that that's been that's been really the consensus. You know, uh, you know, my sister Val, we got a deeper relationship than a lot of other members of my family. However, you know, I've been embraced, you know, by my brother, my other sisters, uh, you know, other relatives. And, you know, it feel good. You know, I'm waiting to. Uh, Oh, I got to meet my daughter in Detroit. 
Barb for the first time, right? Oh, and I tell you, I'm going to tell you, this little sister embraced me with so much love in the D. You hear me? My baby, she did that. So much love. I love the way she embraced me. It was very, very welcoming. And it was, it's, man, I'm so, that's, I'm just a relief of like, of like just happiness and health. Just, I can't even explain just that. You know, with a lot of things going on with me and her relationship, that was great. I got to meet my grandkids, her three kids. They were phenomenal. So that that was like the gist of it, you know. Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Before I go, you know, I can't forget my mother, Ruth. You know what I mean? Ruth Crosby. And she happened to be uh, Kwame's mother. But she was like, you know, she had a, a role to play, too. And just just being so supportive with, with with kind words throughout the years, you know, all these people was there. That was family. And to to answer uh your question, well, uh, you know, you know, being being uh separated from society for uh 25 years, uh incarceration is abnormal in of itself. So you know, I had to develop a lot of, you know, different coping strategies, right? I think Abraham Maslow once said, uh, if you just have a hammer on your tool belt, you will see everything as a nail. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, 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 strategies or arcs that I built to anticipate this flood of uh, freedom was to try to assemble as many tools of coping on my tool belt, you know, and and, and 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 that started with, you know, emotional intelligence. You know, you can check out, you know, Daniel Coleman. We was really practicing that a lot, you know, while on the inside, you know, trying that empathy part that, you know, the great, great, great Dr. Cornell West uh, was talking about in the introduction. So, that was really big for me. So when I get out and, and I'm coming into these things, I know it's going to be a honeymoon period. Feelings is going to be high, everything. But, you know, as I got back with the everyday functions of society, I'm well, I'm not really there yet, but I got to bring it down and put my feet on the ground and take one step at a time. So what I what I did was I'm what I'm doing is evaluating all the tools that I had, because it is something that I'm very proud of that, like, I thrived through 25 years of wrongful incarceration. That's how I feel on this end. Uh, my mind is very strong and sound. My health is there from the decisions I made in there. And everybody ain't as lucky, you know, with the genetics or with making the right moves or being in the right place, you know, anything can happen in prison. You know, you can be the most healthiest person and somebody stab you or, you know, you think you got mental conditions uh, and, and go to the prison psychiatrist and they give you Thorazine or something and they kind of mess you up. So right now, the goodness is I'm just trying to use the, the 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 good tools of adjustment of health the best way I can and I'm just slowly I I liken my situation to a garden. 
I got a new garden and I just want to be mindful with the with the with the trees and plants and flowers that I plant in my garden. And I got control of that. Right. I'm full. Look, I love it. Right. I got fully control. I got autonomy over that part of my life. And I want to put the most the most healthiest people in situations in my life. Right. Uh, people know, you know, I rap and I can do spoken words. You know, I'm an MC. I'm a master of ceremonies in a lot of senses. But I like to say this. I'm a master of cultivation. We can make the choice on the, the field or the people that we want to plant our seeds on and harvest. So that's what health looks like for me right now in this realistic process. I just use that as a metaphor to get to it. And right now, hey, 24 days out, I feel pretty good, right? I feel I got a lot of stuff I need to do, right? I got to get my driver's license, right? So I'm still, I know it's the process. I accept that process, not on its face value, but because I know that that's all what it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it takes time for these things to happen. And I know that. So I'm trying to be content. Do, do I have a... Uh, I have moments of anxiety, right? Sometimes simple stuff like, like this morning, I was trying to figure out, I archived some emails because I was trying to put them in their own group. That was my way of putting them in their own group with all this blitz of emails and notifications coming. I wanted to go to my stuff, but I couldn't figure out how to retrieve my archived stuff. So I'm, 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 I'm like, oh, man, this stuff is too simple for me not to understand. Like, what's going on? And I kind of had like a little momentary anxiety attack until I thought, you got Google. <laughs> People, and I know you've done a number of interviews so far and will continue to. People keep asking you questions. Why don't you ask us some questions? Like, what do you want to know about the world and what's happening right now? You need some explaining? Like you need someone to let you know what the hell's going on. Like, <laughs> hey, look, 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 look. It's it's for me. For me, I think I think uh, the path that I took and the choices I made and the practices that I was doing that I was uh, uh, embarking upon in in, in 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 captivity has helped me, you know, to adjust to a lot of the social things. You know, like I can talk to somebody. You know, I look you in your eyes, you know, uh, proper body language, you know, it, it's nothing off like that. But the technology is like, you know, what I mean, it's more because everything is just so, so advanced, like everything in society. Now, when I come back 20 years later, I'm like demolition, man. Right. I'm like Wesley Snipes. And if we came back, I'm like, whoa. So I'm just so advanced on a regular human interaction type of thing. I feel that. I feel like, hey, I can interact with people in the room. How you doing? In the most proper and most progressive way. But the technology, like, okay, I got to organize this stuff. It's it's really, it, it was more than what I thought it would be. But I'm just going slow with it. So one of the questions I ask, like, why can't society just be more organic anymore? Like, that's what I see. Like, 
People ain't organic. Uh, it ain't a lot of face-to-face -face meets. Everybody live through their phone. Uh, put another way, the world is in a prison. Well, hey, so my other question is, look, now I know a lot of people, a lot of people tend to think uh, in a lot of reactionary terms about, you know, guys and, and just prison, like, you know, uh, 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 you know, my walk in prison, you know, I don't knock what anybody do, but look, I, I just want to be real. Like, like I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have sex with other men incarcerated. That wasn't my thing. I, you know, but other people, they do what they do. That's on them. You know, that's what's up. But so that being said, you know, most of my relationships to the opposite sex, well, all of them was through the phone or letter, you know, things like that. So as far as the intimacy of the spirit and mind, that is definitely something that's there and very advanced on my part from being in prison so long and still trying to interact, you know, with, 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 with my opposite, my counterpart, which would be the goddess, you know, that's in the world, that's out there. And it's important for me to try to keep up with that because uh, the that element, that feminine element, you know, for me and for anybody or vice versa, you know, whatever you identify your ass, whatever you identify yourself with, you need that opposite. You need that helpmate in your life. So, you know, I did a lot of thinking about, you know, women, of course, 25, you know, I'm finna get out. Oh, let me see what it looked like. You know, let me slow down. So, I, you know, I committed to, to being celibate for a while, you know, coming out, trying to do this the first 90 days and not, you know, just I don't want to hurt nobody because I know the power that I have, you know, as a man, you know, uh, I think and I consider and, and, and that's the value that that I don't want to squander on just anybody and just, you know, pumping and jumping and doing that. So what I want to ask you is like, you know, the status of uh, women out here. Uh, when do you think it would be a good time for me to get into a serious relationship after being incarcerated for 75 years? Or 25 years. But yes. Um so my first thought is like, how could I ever tell you what to do when I have not lived in your shoes? Right. So, but I'm not going to like fall prey to that because you're actually asking me about my experience as being a woman in this world. So I'm going to lean there. The, the, you know, I think that you should take your time and lean into the people that you, that you feel initially comfortable with that aren't trying to make you do anything. The people who, who will stay with you aren't pushing an agenda early on. And so that's, that could be like some, some guidance on like, you know, who are your early safe places? And this is for anyone who's listening that might be formerly incarcerated or has formerly incarcerated family members or friends, like folks, you know, might feel the thirst when they come out. Right. And that's fine. It's human nature. We want to be loved and touched and understood. And there's no shame in that. That being said, we can hurt ourselves 
even for quote unquote free folks, when we don't take our time and we don't operate with intention and intention doesn't mean you don't get what you want. It just means you think about it and you wait. Delayed gratification is something that we're not oftentimes good at. And that, that would be, I guess, my, you know, and you're, you're already engaging in it, Leon, with your 90 day role. Um, who knows what's possible in 90 days? Yeah, yeah. Hey, because, uh, you know, that's the part, like, a, a, a big thing I learned while, while fighting for my, 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 my justice, freedom, and innocence is relationship is powerful, right? You know, really just trying to understand that, you know, I want to be a man in my community, uh, the, the proper man in my community. I want to come and heal and, and have solutions. I, I didn't have that before. And I realized it's my relationship to people that's so important. Uh, intimate relationships are very important too, but I feel like, you know, my relationships, let's say to my sister, my family member, I feel like I'm good on that, on my brother. You know, business relationships, you know, I'm going to learn some things along the way as uh, I open my LLC in the future. But it's, it's, it's easy, right? So, but the, 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 the woman, you know, my counterpart, you know, to get there, like, can I ever, you know, encounter somebody who is so open to the understanding of what I've been through, but respect, you know, my strength at the time, but also have enough empathy to just walk with me with patience, you know, with the things that I don't understand and trust that, you know, no matter what, you know, I will remain uh, 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 an encouraging individual, you know, to their life as a friend or even a wife, you know? So I see these things as very important. So that's why I'm, I'm walking the way I'm walking. I feel like I deserve a goddess. I feel like, yeah, I deserve a goddess. I need a co-creator. I don't need, look, I talk, I think it's uh, your allies. You got three, you got allies, you got, you got fans. They part of your allies. They like, hey, they gonna cheer for you when you hit the finish line. You got teammates. Your teammates are people that's building with you. They there. And you got mentors. Mentors are people who will put their name on the line for you. So my co-creator, my goddess, must be a mentor as well as a team player. And I'd be the same. But I know them type of things just don't fall out the sky. Remember, I'm a master cultivator. So I know I got to find a path where I can process to this type of health and even wealth of the heart and mind with this counterpart. It is an honor to talk with you and to share you with my listeners. Before we go, can you share um, the different ways that people can find you online and support you? 
Oh, definitely. You know, you can you can find me on Facebook, you know, free uh, Leon Benson. You can find me on Instagram at L Bentley uh, 448. Uh, it's no uh, E at the end of Bentley. It's just, you know, T-L-Y. Uh, you can find me at DieJimCrow.com. You was under L Bentley 448. Uh, that's my name. Uh, uh, my 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 rap name, uh, better known as L Bentley 448. Leon Benson. You know, check me out. Uh, be anticipating uh, some new music that's that's coming in June. Uh, the name of the project is Innocent Born Guilty. Innocent born guilty. And it's much like uh, Dr. Crane was explaining, you know, the concept is we are born already in a society in progress. Innocent born guilty. So now you born, you know, whether you are a white person, you born into white privilege or if you are a poor person, you born into poverty. But you get typecast. Right. To who you are. Innocent born guilty. The album. Be looking out for the suspects podcast that'll be airing on on amazon uh, uh late june early july uh it's about my case uh it's a great platform uh also you know right now you know hey i'm a struggling artist right you know 25 years in i just got out but one of the main things i want to do is you know lend my particular experiences to people in society and you know be a voice so I'm looking, you know, for some paid uh, public speaking engagements. Uh, you know, I'm very trained at, at hosting events and uh, giving good public talks. Uh, also, you know, as far as like, you know, uh, entertainment performance wise, uh, you know, I can also you can book me to do spoken word poetry or to perform, you know, hip hop songs or what have you. And all you have to do is get at me on uh, the spots that I told you. And if you just want to just rock out with me one time and just, you know, I I'm not necessarily looking for handouts from the world. That's something I accept, too. And I go. That's why I'm not sitting waiting for nobody to do anything for me. Uh, I just go get it. But I do have a cash app. Uh, if you want to, you know, donate to my reentry effort. It's uh, Innocent Born Guilty 23. Uh, also, I got a GoFundMe page, you know, uh, you can tap into that and, uh, you know, GoFundMe, you know, Leon Benson. Thank you, everyone. This is your loving host, Dr. Christy Lee Crane, and this is us.